0: In, in
1: between the songs to go grab a beer. Or or you, you can grab some now or we can take a break. Can we take a break? Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ramin. Jason. Here we are in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Wow, remote podcast. Mm-hmm. This is going to be awesome. Uh, thank you for joining me. This is your third appearance on the podcast, I believe. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Well, the first one went into two right. episodes. Right, went into two episodes, but this is like the third appearance. Appearance, like sitting, I guess, you Indeed. could say. Yes. Um, I decided to come down to Nebraska yeah. to see you Welcome. and do this Welcome podcast. So the good life. Yeah, the good life. It's not for everybody.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: so I've had this idea for a while. Mm-hmm. of having a guest curator for a show. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to expand the format a little bit rather than having the same format every time and especially with repeat guests such as yourself, I thought it would be fun to, you know, do something a little bit different. Sure. So, uh I reached I, weached. <laughs> I reached out to Dan Suano to see if he was interested and he was kind enough to send me six songs from mm-hmm. his career. Wow. And we're going to be listening to introductions from him that re- he recorded from, for me, and sure. then the song itself. Sure. Uh, I asked him to do six songs from his career that he thought were different or remarkable or noteworthy somehow. And uh, you and I are both very large fans of, of Dan Suano. Absolutely. So it was interesting to me that he sent these songs because I'm not familiar with hardly any of them. And Interesting. there's actually entire bands here that I didn't even know about, mm-hmm. so um, I think it's pretty exciting. So let's get into it. What do you say? Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to. It.
3: Hello, everybody. My name is Don Swanner. I am a mix and mastering engineer from Sweden, and I've been asked to talk about uh, six of my favorite songs from my career, or songs that are special, or something, you know, and. I'm going to do just that. And we're going to move chronologically. And um, this first track is uh, from 1985. It's uh, with my first proper band called Ghost. And not these other Pope-looking dudes from Sweden. This is the real, true ghost we're talking about here. And um, what you're about to hear is um, a track called in Intrång. And um, in this recording, I play the drums, and I was 12 years old at the time. The organ is played by Anders Moraby. He was 14 years at the time, and he's also the guy singing. And then um, my brother, Dog uh, 22 years at the time, uh, helped us beef up the organ parts with uh, rhythm guitars and bass. And he also mixed the whole thing. And what you hear is a remastering that was released on Bone Records couple of years ago uh, so double vinyl or a single CD with pretty much all the good stuff from Ghost's entire career. So if you like this stuff, um, do buy the album. It's really awesome.
1: cool this is really cool like this a lot i like this a lot better than the other ghost
0: yeah yeah i mean such a bold move to start the song with
1: a drum (laughs) yeah as a 12 year old yeah this is super catchy too i really like the keyboard work too So cool. Yeah.
0: I like the vocal a lot too.
1: Yeah, I do too. It's
0: very fitting. Yeah. Very
1: fitting with music. That was a nice feel. Wow. I didn't know what to expect there at all, but that's really awesome. Yeah. Did you know about these ghosts before? No, never. Yeah. Super, cool. wow. nice! Wow, that's really cool, dude. A bunch of teenagers. Yeah, yeah. The keyboard work on that is just yeah. The keyboard tone really interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. So he said that he was twelve. Yeah. When he recorded that, and the that's, vocals were so incredible. different too. Yeah. And then he mentioned that it was re-released recently, yeah, a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. I believe. Yeah. I remember I saw that in there uh, in Dan Sono's uh, Facebook. Page like a fan page, there's okay. a group on Facebook, and I, I didn't remember there was a posting about this okay. new collection, I believe, of some of the old works. Wow, such as the unicorn, right. And I want to say that the ghost was I mean, it's apparently it was included too, but yeah, I wasn't
1: familiar with this pen. No, I'd, I'd never heard of it before until he sent this. Um, I know there's a Japanese ghost too, yeah. But, uh, and I think
0: there was an American
1: ghost, too, that. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty normal name. You know? <laughs> yes. But, yeah, that's, that makes me want to check out the, uh, uh, more of it. That's yes, not at all name. what I would expect. I mean, I guess I shouldn't really expect anything from Dan Swano. You know, he's done so many different things, but it's yeah. not what I would normally attribute to him. Has he done any black metal? Like straight-up black metal? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he's produced things like Marduk. Uh, Yes, um, yes. But as far as... Like playing... I I can't think of anything. You're right. Because I think that's
0: probably the only genre between heavy music that he really didn't get into much.
1: Yeah, I can't think of one that he did. Yeah. Wow. But
0: anyway, like this was... This was remarkable. This is like something I like read, really like simple, mm-hmm. straightforward, yeah. but super catchy. Yeah. And, I'd and like very, to, very just
1: positive. Yeah. I'd like vibe. to know more about the vocalist and the vocals. Um, really not at all what I would expect there either. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. It was actually when uh, Dan sent me this material probably about a month ago and it was really hard for me not to listen to this, but I wanted to make sure that I was uh, fresh ears. Like I didn't yeah. want to know what this stuff was until we did this podcast <coughs> but uh that's yeah that's really awesome i like that i'm gonna have to track that down yeah i, think.
0: I wonder if there was any band that you could think of sounding similar or you could think as a you could think as a as an inspiration for for this music
1: oh yeah i don't know I mean, it's a I very can't.
0: sound, it's a very similar sound of eighties and seventies, right? Mm-hmm. but I really wonder actually, what was the, what was the music that they were into at that time? Cause metal yeah. was not really big, right. anything big. I mean, at that time, it was just the early days and early years.
1: Yeah. It almost reminded me of kind of like a sugar cubes, Bjork sugar type cubes. of uh, vibe, but yeah, I have no idea what they would have been into. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting.
0: Yeah, my favorite part about it was, other than the, how catchy it was, mm-hmm. was how bold, I mean, I can't imagine myself when right. I was 12 years old. Yeah. And if, I think if I didn't start playing drums at that age, it was a couple of years later that I, I started getting into it. But yeah. um, I mean, recording music and then being bold enough to start a song yeah. with, a, with a drum line. Yeah,
1: and that is that was, right. That's really bold. Yeah. yeah 12 so. years old. That's crazy. <laughs> it is. That's younger than my kids. Yes. Wow. What are my kids doing? Jesus,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oni. <laughs> yeah. Oni. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next one he sent me here. Sure. Uh, well, the first one was very… The first one was great. Yeah. Let's see what is next.
3: So we are moving forward to uh, 1991 when uh, Edge of Sanity had already released one album. And we were about to um, try to make the second one, so to speak. So we made a, a promo tape called Dead But Dreaming. And um, I know for a fact that um, the record company, dude, Boss Börje Forsberg, he told me that um, when he listened to this uh, Dead But Dreaming tape, um, after the first two songs, he was pretty sure that that we would not make a second record, that he would drop us from Black Mark and we would be back to be just a demo band again, but then this song came on in its demo version and uh, it's called When All Is Said and the thing about this track is that it's uh, one of the first death metal ballads with a piano playing a very important role in the instrumentation and we also have some cello on there. it's not really so easy to hear in the mix, but if you listen carefully, it is there doubling up the, the guitars in some parts. And um, yeah, this this track just blew him away. And on the strength of that one, he decided, OK, let's give the guys another shot. So we recorded Unorthodox and uh, yeah, pretty much from there, the career of Edge of Sanity kind of rebooted. And it's one of the reasons uh, why I'm here talking to you today. So this is a very special song to me. When all is said, edge of sanity.
1: vocals are always so good do you know this song no i don't either never heard this before This is good. This is seriously gorgeous. Good. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. It has a My Dying Bride feel to it to me. Yeah, I want to talk about this actually after the song is over. Angel in the Dark River.
0: this is the demo right? yeah right? like this is the perfect it's mix. impeccable that yeah, that's the cello
1: oh yeah you're right it is it's perfect though it I is. wouldn't want any higher in the mix it's perfect nice this is really sick one of my favorite growlers really it's just perfect it's interesting, he was 21 years
0: old here no, he was 18
1: years old 18, yeah Damn. I love this one. An Edge of Sanity song that neither one of us had heard before. No. That's insane.
0: You know, it was very doomy. Very doomy, yeah. And it kind of actually reminded, not reminded, it, it kind of felt like a more gothic, doomy Bathory to me. Yeah,
1: I, like uh, Hammerheart era. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, the, drums, the drums really yeah, was Hammerheart. Yep. yep. Um, the, the piano really made me think of My Dying Bride. Yeah. Uh, especially angel in the dark river mm-hmm. era
0: absolutely uh,
1: and it reminded me of legenda in a way too yeah uh i remember that band yeah which who i adore of course i adore Age of sanity as well yeah um that was really cool to hear something man the I
0: composition mean, was just very well thought yeah was very beautiful uh-huh the mix Everything yeah, was just, I'd like, loved great.
1: How, I loved how the like, cello was really understated on that part, too. Yeah. It wasn't, like, way out in the mix and in your face. It was just kind of like this undercurrent of, mm-hmm. of melody there. Exactly. The riffs were great. The the kick pattern on those, like, slow ballad mm-hmm. parts was perfect. Like, yeah. what, a, what a fantastic song. And yeah. it's so crazy that I had no idea that it even yeah, existed. I guess really I just cool. kind
0: of stuck with unorthodox and Yeah, so I mean, much I've,
1: that they... I've heard all the, you know, all the full lengths, Yeah. But uh I was just not aware of that one for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. The
0: very first thing that occurred to me was like the vibe was uh, very doomy and very cold at the very beginning and it reminded me of, you know, all these um Russian doom bands that had started like around 2005, oh, 2006. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, there was a band I I believe they are still active Wine from Tears. Mm-hmm. And Forest Stream, and there's a whole like new, like genre of these like Russian, Ukrainian like doom bands, and right. has this very cold, very gothic, and mm-hmm. at the same time very melodic music. But right. it's it's really remarkable again to think even in this particular kind of the like, doomy genre, yeah. like Dan has done this like back in nineteen
1: ninety one in a demo, like, right? And he did it so well. It was, <laughs> I mean, I've heard. I'm pretty particular with my doom. Um, yeah. You know, I like the, the really mainstays, you know, the My Dying Brides and things like that, of course. And I like a lot of the Funeral Doom stuff. But sometimes Doom isn't really just, it's not really done to my liking. Yeah, That was fascinating. Yeah, That was perfect. I love how the piano was incorporated. And again, I, I cannot compliment Dan Swanö's growls enough. Yeah, For me, they are just absolute perfection. My favorite Dan Suano project is Pandemonium. Interesting. Uh, I love, I think, all of them that I've heard. I, have, I can't claim to have heard everything that he's done, um, but Pandemonium is a special place in my heart because it, it just pushes so many boundaries, and it's so unique and so different. But his vocals on everything. Yeah. I, I think of Purgatory Afterglow. That's the one yeah. that I think is like, his vocals on that, Black Tears, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's such a vocal forward album yeah. those songs are they're carried so much by the vocals um, and I could I could hear that on this song and I, I love that Yeah, what well they,
0: well they I really like, appreciate about his vocals other than the the intensity yeah yeah like the power that it carries is uh-huh. how like the words are audible
1: yes like he really speaks the he's words he's really enunciating like, exactly I can't claim to understand everything that he says but you can tell that they're words and so many times it's just oh i don't i can't tell if they're saying anything at all but you can yeah. tell there's actual words there so on the
0: on the subject of edge of sanity i wonder yeah. um, how did you um, get introduced to edge of sanity do you know do you remember um, any incident or
1: not really yeah, i do remember 9495 something like that i was living in montana with lad mhm And we were really into Purgatory Afterglow and Unorthodox and Spectral Sorrows. And we would listen to those in his truck all the time, nonstop, basically, with a few others in the rotation. But we'd always be listening to those records. I don't remember how exactly I got introduced to them. Um, A lot of times then, I would do a lot of orders from Relapse or Century Media, places like that, And you know, is when you had to write a check and like circle what you wanted in the catalog and send in your money, and you always have to do alternates. So, if they're out of something, they'd send you something else in its place. Interesting. So, I discovered a lot of music that way because I want to buy Samuel's Ceremony of Opposites, but if you don't have it in stock, then send me Burzum, yeah. And that's how I was introduced to a lot of different things. Um, I would always order something with intent, but then just guess on what they could give me as a backup and i was introduced to a lot of really cool things that way interesting i kind of assume that's how i found edge of sanity but i i honestly can't remember i think i i think the first one i heard was unorthodox
0: yeah i think yeah for me it was um a little backward actually like considering our age i actually kind of started how old were you like around that time like 1994 1995.
1: Uh, 19 yeah
0: pretty much the same age i I think i was like 17 or 18 Mm -hmm. around 2004 and um, i discovered bloodbath
1: oh wow okay
0: and um it was um but i honestly did not really care about don Suono in in bloodbath i Mm -hmm. loved bloodbath as a very collective band this superstar band right and then uh gosh like at that point i was really into like melodic swedish as stuff swedish Mm -hmm. melodic uh, metal but uh, not really into super melodic stuff, okay, but more yeah. death metal ones, sure. So, like, I started with like early monomorph, mm-hmm. like, stuff. Hypocrisy was huge for me at that point, and it still yeah. is, yeah. And then God Gory was another band that I was really into. Mm-hmm. I didn't care much about like In Flames or Dark Tranquility at that really? time, okay, yeah. They were super melodic for me at that time, yeah, yeah, and then. Just I started connecting the dots between the Bloodbath and then all those melodic bands. Mm-hmm. I realized that like, Down had like so many bands back in 90s, oh, yeah. so I started like going backwards and I started with actually the Crimson's. And okay. man, that just opened a whole new door to me. I was yeah. like, oh okay, I can, I yeah. can now see like where uh, this very melodic, beautiful, but yet intense and heavy mm-hmm. uh, music came from. Yeah. Because he, he deserved the credit.
1: Oh yeah. For me purgatory afterglow is almost it's almost like a pop record to me yeah um and i think when you grow up with death metal like i have death metal doesn't really seem extreme to me it's just it for me it's just it's normal it's like the baseline right so purgatory afterglow is like this really highly produced extremely catchy very vocal forward record when i hear records like that or like um Game Over Gears in Throne Darkness Triumphant. Oh, yes. Super catchy, super produced. For me, it's pop music and mm-hmm. I mean that in the best way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's catchy, it's easy to digest um, and I, I love that that Dan could make something like that and make it so accessible. Yeah. If you played it for somebody that isn't, isn't into death metal, they'd probably take issue with the vocals um, but you can't deny the musicianship or the production or the craftsmanship or the songwriting and I find that fascinating that somebody can do that and Dan does it so consistently in so many ways and I feel like that last track a little bit more rough than those examples but still like the melody's there and the craftsmanship is there and yeah yeah, it's beautiful it was a wonderful track yeah. yeah All right. Let's move on because I want to see what he's doing on the yeah, next yeah. one. Totally, um, it makes me excited because I have no idea what's going on here. No, it just keeps getting better yeah. so far. <laughs> All right, let's check this out.
3: So what have we got here. We're moving forward to the year uh, 1996, and uh, this is uh, one of the tracks that may be not so super special um, in this way, but but it's kind of funny. It's got a funny story about it, and. Uh, when I was um, recording the second Opeth album, Morning Rise, it was uh, me, Mika Okefeld and the drummer Anders Schnuddin, the original Opeth drummer. And uh, we were just discussing over um, pizza, which was um, the most outdated genre at the time, being a. Uh, like spring 96 or whatever, and we all came up that some kind of uh, heavy metal, a little bit faster German style, a bit like Juice Priest, Free Will Burning meets Fast as a Shark from Accept was probably the most outdated genre at the time. And we just thought it would be hilarious to, um, to sound check the drums with adding some guitars and bass and vocals to it to see if it worked. Uh, I don't know why we didn't record an Opeth song that would make more sense, but we were kind of weird and crazy, and um, we just said, "Okay, let's let's write a really short song in that genre and record it and have some fun." So we did. We recorded a song called "Guitars and Metal," and uh, unfortunately, this track is is lost to humanity. Um, but I do remember that that this. The lyrics were something like Guitars and Metal, You're Going to Die, Prepare for Attack, or Soldier of Steel or whatever. And and yeah. So happens that we, we did it on, on a cassette, like a rough mix, and went to a party a couple of days later, and we played that song in, in the hi-fi at, at the party and everybody just loved it they laughed their brains out because they all got the joke aha oh, this is so out this is so 80s heavy metal and everyone was like yeah guys you have to do more you have to record a whole demo or a record or whatever and, and we thought oh yeah pretty cool reception so let's do it and later that same year 1996 um, uh, Mike and Anders came back and also with Peter Lindgren from Opeth um, he's the guitar player in Opeth he played bass with steel he came back and um, yeah, we wrote uh, three songs. Uh, one in their like own category, "Rock Tonight" is a little bit like a Judas Priest almost turbo style, uh, and "Heavy Metal Machine" is like the probably the only real heavy metal song that I ever wrote. It's got that double bass drum all the way through, all the cliches in there, and. Yeah, there was also then the ballad, Say Goodbye to Love. Uh, but um, yeah, we, we released this on, on a seven-inch picture disc some years later. And uh, the track Heavy Metal Machine is is really one of those tracks that kind of started out as a joke, but it turned into something a little bit too good because when we played the ep or whatever you call this this recording to the same people that loved the guitars and metal track they just looked at us with like blank faces like guys this is not funny this is too good and we were like no seriously this is like taking the piss out of all that kind of stuff and this was way before hammerfall and all that kind of stuff came back and we were like fuck it's it's really too good to be funny so uh, i guess we kind of <laughs> crossed over into making something pretty serious and not so long ago, uh, a Swedish band actually did a cover version of this song, so it kind of proves that, yeah, it's like a real song. And um, yeah, here it is, with me sounding like the bastard child of Rob Halford, around like singing like he did on Will Burning" and Udo when, yeah, from Accept when he's the most pissed. And uh, yeah, musically um uh, homage to the 80s heavy metal that later just kind of bloomed into some super phenomenon that still goes on today. But we were one of the first. Here's steel and heavy metal machine.
2: Wow. <laughs> that was so Udo. Yeah.
1: did you know about this i had no fucking clue (laughs) me either
0: god damn it this is so
2: good
1: the siren holy shit wow So Michael was a part of this too? I guess so. That's what it sounded like he was saying. Plane or something in there? Yeah. (laughs) Sounded more like a fly. Yeah, a fly. Completely unexpected. Yeah, how crazy to go from edge of sanity to that. Yeah. I mean, uh, two two notes. Yes.
0: First one, I actually appreciate that he mentioned this. How he sounds very like thrashy Rob Halford. Yeah, Rob Halford, very Udo. Udo. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very 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 interesting. Yeah. The second is like. Again, going back to Bloodbath, mm-hmm. like it's interesting that how a couple of like very interesting projects that they had, like it all started as very funny kind of Yeah. You know, yeah. side just laughing side projects. Right. That they did not really take themselves seriously, but yeah. it all had eventually turned out that something really right. yeah. kind of too good mm-hmm.
1: to be taken. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of when many times me and friends have gotten together and we're you know doing something just for fun making some kind of music for fun and yeah. it's it's remarkable that dan suano has the abilities and the resources to record something like that as like just something fun on the yeah. side you know uh, many people don't <laughs> can't do that yeah <laughs> totally. that's that's pretty crazy i mean that's album quality yeah and yeah, I mean, yeah, just everything it's for fun that he records is like, yeah. sounds better than many oh, like, yeah.
0: albums that are recorded in professional studios. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because he has a professional
1: studio, so, yeah.
0: But he takes it seriously, at least in that regard. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the, the drums was very basic. Yeah, that, it was like again. The, basically the same thing through the, exactly. the whole... Exactly. Uh, and I really like that tapping guitar part oh, yeah. in between. That was very sweet. And look, with like the dive bomb whammy bar. Yeah.
1: All that.
0: The sirens was a very, very interesting. I'm pretty sure that
1: was like a plane, like buzzing, like or something, but it it was kind of hard to tell. But yeah, the sirens and the explosion at the end.
0: And the very, very first second of it. The vocal.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Really cool. Another project I didn't even know existed.
0: No, I was very surprised. Yeah it added more into the diversity oh yeah
1: well I mean we're three songs in we're halfway through what he provided and what a strange and varied collection of songs so far yeah certainly alright should we see what he has up his sleeve next alright here we go
3: so we're moving forward to 1998 Um, I was kicked out of Batch of Sanity after a terrible attempt of of mutiny with taking over the whole band and shit but that's another story but what Ended up as um, my comeback into the scene was um, a record called Moon Tower. Holy shit! And um, yeah, it started out as being some kind favorite, of then. edge of sanity styled death metal record, but I just kind of felt that I, my heart was not really in that that genre at the time. So um, what happened was that I kind of merged the, the kind of prog that I was totally into at the time with metal you know that i like more of a hard rock thing so it's kind of a you got all kinds of bands in there uh from rush to marillion to arena to i don't know what and um this track on creation is oh my god (laughs) and it's got some (laughs) extremely melodic moment that is so far off from death metal as you probably can come. And then there is still growling vocals on the whole track, which made it a, a really a tough nut for, for some people. Most people were not ready for this kind of growling vocals meets pretty commercial pomp, prog, metal, rock thing in 1998. I, I was devastated when the reviews were not really what I was hoping for, but um, these days, this, this total standard uh, genre. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't. So um yeah here it is on creation from my solo album moon tower. Okay, can you pause this for yes. a second?
0: Dude. Okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see that you're excited about this choice oh. this pick.
0: So yeah maybe I will talk about this before playing yeah. the song mm-hmm. and then uh, we can listen to it. Never get so This song was life changing for me. Really? Dude. Well on what a great creation, pick. For like, him, then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I quite frankly, did not care about Dan Swan as, as a genius mm-hmm. until I heard Moon Tower. Okay. Like I appreciated him and I loved his work as a metal musician sure. for Edge of Sanity and many of the other bands that we mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. But I came across Moon Tower, I believe it was 2007, 2008. Okay, And dude, very bizarre um, album as he mentioned and described Mm -hmm. the sound, but it got to on creation and I heard that track and it just blew me away. So that's, this is the song that basically sold you on Dan Swanö. Absolutely. And then I, 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 I'm not exaggerating. Mm -hmm. If I say that I am, I have listened to this track over a thousand times in my life ever since I found it. And it's it's so dear and so, such a dear song to me that I decided actually when when I realized that they are going to print it on Vax and mm-hmm. release it on, on LP just yeah. immediately order it Immediate and buy. I actually asked for the signed um, signed copy yeah. too so Dan was very kind and he signed it too and what a pick yeah like, well that's so great that he chose that uh, of everything thing. that he has done like this yeah. track is the most dear
1: and dear song to my heart and here well, we go, and that's your, your gateway yeah. to him as an artist. So how how perfect? Not a gateway to him as an artist, honestly. But like a, a gateway to you understanding. To, to his consider
0: work. him as a very legendary person, right? That he is not just a great musician, but he's right. a very just remarkable, yeah. um, composer and songwriter mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, let's listen to. I don't know if you have heard this
1: song before. No. Okay. I so, don't think I actually I don't think I've ever heard Moon Tower at all. I think maybe Nick played me Moon Tower a little bit. Okay. Um but yeah, I don't I don't really think I'm Just one familiar.
0: there's just one album on I I believe that he he released it under his own name. Um Yeah, I think that's what yeah. he's saying here. Yeah. So, it's just the, the entire album is perfect at least for my musical taste. Okay. But this particular track is just well, there is so much emotion awesome. in those riffs. And just and speaking of keywords, let's listen yeah. to this track and okay. Judge it yourself. Here
1: we go. This is really good. How come you haven't told me about this? Holy shit. I still get goosebumps when I hear this. That really surprises me that he said that uh, the reception wasn't that great. I mean, that's what they heard in the that's, past. Too, yeah. It's really, <coughs> I mean, in a world where bands like Amorphous exists, like that's not so ridiculous. They have like such catchy and like forward keyboards like that. I mean, it really surprises me that people weren't into that. Um... What year was that? 98?
0: 98. So, I think he recorded... I believe he released it in 1999. Okay. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Yeah, so late 90s. Yeah, but honestly, it doesn't actually surprise me. Um, following the story of Catatonia, mm-hmm. and uh, especially after watching the documentary that they released a few years ago, um, hearing the said about basically how the reception is about... Um, Brave Murder Day and some of this stuff like discouraged ones, right. were Not very super, at least super positive. The way right. that they expected it, mm-hmm. which led into the breakup of the band, right? Temporarily at that time. Yeah, um, I was I was very little at that time, not in a country that I have any music scene at all, mm-hmm. let alone metal music. But um, I can imagine now reflecting on the history of the, that era, especially in the metal community. There was a very strong zeal and desire to just be more extreme and be more heavy. And yeah. I think some of the dramas that happened in the black metal community, and then the mm-hmm. death metal was becoming um, just more and more extreme. Yeah. Um, this is not an extreme record. No. Like at least in terms of heaviness, it is extreme. It is super, it, it is a very bold record. Yeah. If you if you listen to the track, listen to the album front to back, like. Con- and considering the time and the location that where it was recorded and released, it was a very bold record right. how super melodic it is and how catchy it is. It is a still-done sueno, so but like, what can I tell, man, about this record? Like, <laughs> I I can't just sit down and talk about this. I was I was actually send you a, a picture that I took with the record the day that it arrived. Oh, really? One yeah. of the best days of my life. I think like
1: I think Nick ordered it right away too when yeah. when he did that.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember actually. Nick uh, Nick posted a comment that he asked about where I got the record and oh okay and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we chit chatted about it a little bit, but yeah, man, like. I, I remember exactly the very first day that I heard this track. Um, I was still back in Iran. Um, didn't have like the actual copy or didn't, again, you know, I, I think I talked about this during the first podcast. Yeah. There's really no There's music no scene, music no scene. metal music. Yeah. It's completely like illegal music there. Right. And then like you get, you, you start to just gradually absorb the music through your friends and a couple of the people that you know that are your gateway yeah. to other stuff, and then yeah. I just after I got into Edge of Sanity, Bloodbath, and then here it was Moon Tower, and yeah. um, and I rem- it's it was very important when I heard it. As I say, it was a very life-changing kind of a album yeah. and a track, especially. And it's very interesting that it's a band or it's a project that I don't feel sad that it doesn't exist anymore. It was like I,
1: the right time at the right place type of thing. I just
0: wanted to be on that very high altitude right. that it is personally for me. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he, still has, Dan Sona still has other projects that he, you know, Vitor Escape and other projects that he's like, still putting his, executing his creativity there. Right. But with Moon Tower, I just wanted to be that one. That one statement. Amazing gem yeah, yeah. out
1: there, and that's it. So I'm, I'm, I'm just. That was such a gift to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So uh, yeah, thank you, Dan, for providing that song. Yeah. It uh, was a Dan. If you, if you listen to this, just thank you for
0: for everything, but in particular for Moon Tower and On Creation. That's a very, very important um, song and album to me, and that that keyboard is something that to this day over thousands of times every every single time I hear it I get goosebumps.
1: Yeah. It's and I'm glad that he picked it because I finally heard it and I know what it is now yeah. and I absolutely loved that. That was amazing. Cool. That's one of my favorite things I've heard in quite a while. Sure. I'm a sucker for really good like upfront keyboard lines like that. Yeah. Um I love stuff like that. And on the the uh verses with the really cool like Tom rhythms. That, yes. And the, and the bass kind of came up more front there too. It's was kind of yeah. like clunking in the background a little bit there. Awesome. The production
0: really cool. on the keyboard, man. Yeah. It's just at the perfect yeah. mix.
1: Yeah. With the guitar and the drums. Yeah. And there again, his growls, his growls. Indeed. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Do you have any yeah. guesses what the next one might be? We're thinking chronologically here. Chronologic. So I doubted that he's going to choose
0: anything from unicorn. Or maybe, I, I cannot remember which year he released Unicorn and stuff, but I doubt that he's going to also, or he selected anything very super popular that everyone knows. Right. So, either Pandemonium or, I don't know. All right, well, that's I, should we figure it out? Yeah, I'm more interested to, to be surprised
1: here. Okay, here we go.
3: You! In uh, 1995, I uh, started a a solo project that was kind of supposed to be like a gothic rock thing. Yeah, but it didn't turn out that. It was a few gothic songs here and there on the first record, but eventually it turned into like a band, really. And uh, we released a bunch of albums. And uh, around 2004, 2005, uh, it was time to make like a 10-year anniversary thing. And um, it was like a re-recording of the best stuff from the past 10 years and then i wrote a new song called better safe than sorry and i was thinking which nightingale song i would pick for this uh, yes. little six yes. track thing here and i thought about um, lucifer's lament or nightfall overture but then better safe than sorry is kind of a mix of all the things i love about nightingale it, it's got that kind of uh progressive uh, kind of pump rock kind of verse thing, really soft and mellow. It's got a little bit more of a hard rock intro. It's got really more of like a metal thing going on at the end and and really an AOR chorus. Really like bombastic 80s stuff. So yeah, I picked that one. Uh, This is um, the last song from the very hard to find Nightfall Overture CD. It's called Better Safe Than Sorry.
1: crazy, varied and dynamic career this guy has had. I mean yeah. we're only five songs into six songs that he picked for me. And they're all there's all they all have like a thread of Swano yes. through them. You can tell it's Swano. But like that is so unique and different and I mean this in the best possible way, but it feels like a middle finger to like the metal scene in a way yeah. too. Because you've got those death metal parts and you've got yeah. you've got like the heaviness, but then you've got the lyrics and. and and the way he's singing is like you said, kinda like AOR, like eighties like like rock. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's interesting to me how yeah. he he can also do that as well as he does death metal. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I never listened to this track uh, before, but I was familiar with Nightingale. Um, they released an album, Retribution, a few years back. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful album. And from this record that they released in their 10th year anniversary, there is a track, The Dream Reader. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite tracks of them. Okay. Interestingly, I'd, or sadly, I never got to fully capture and listen the whole album and just chose a few um i remember that i got into Nightingale and was curious about it because Dan's brother also played in this band okay yeah and i was really curious that you know how um the combo right yeah. is going to uh, yeah. turn out and so again i completely agree with you there's a thread of his there's a, his signature is everywhere it really on, is. and on each one of these songs yeah but in the same time, same time, it's such a um, very eclectic mm-hmm. music yeah. that he offered so far. Yeah, eclectic
1: and, is the right word. It's it's yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, it's just all over the place. Yeah. Like you can see a similarity between that nightingale track and that moon tower track. Yes, mostly in the keyboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, structurally and sonically, they're they're so different.
0: Yeah. I mean I like keyword in middle, yeah, me honestly, too. like I, I love it if it's done right yes yeah that's the, that was my comment actually yeah that, but um, it has to be done properly, yeah, and in the same time, I cannot really think of someone other than Don Suanod so who can execute it so right in the face, yeah, in the front, yeah, like. Generally, speaking, keyboard like you go even like more poppy bands like Children of Bodom, right? Those bands it's like way way in the back, or it's kind of like you know equal with the guitar work. Right. Whereas like with many of Dan's work, it's just like so out there into your face and it's super super melodic, super
1: just beautiful. Yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, like just another perfect Suano's music.
1: Yeah, I'm aware of Nightingale. I don't think I've ever really listened to it. Yeah. Though, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've explored way more of Swano's older stuff than his newer stuff. Um, So, this is like actually a a real pleasure for me to get hit, like hand picked tracks from him for me to listen to. That's really cool. Yes. Uh, We have one left. Yeah. Would you like to venture a guess on what that might be? Uh,
0: Well, he said the reason I honestly didn't also guess Nightingale was... I think he, at the very beginning, mentioned that we're going to go chronologically. Right. And we kind of had a little flashback, I think, to 1995, I think.
1: Well, he was saying that he started the band in 95, I believe, and then this was...
0: Released in like a... 2005. Right. Oh, yeah. yes. No. So, Yeah. I apologize there. He was right. So, if we are going to go after 2005, hmm. So, I, I doubted never... that he was... Because uh, he was not with Bloodbath anymore. And uh, my number one guess is Witcher Escape. Um,
1: okay. I had never heard of this band before. Um, until he sent this. What was that? I don't know. Somebody's knocking somewhere. <laughs> um, let's see. I'd never heard of this project.
0: Okay, let's go.
1: Okay, you ready? Um, Here we go.
3: So, and then uh, in 2010, um, I was asked to uh, record some kind of extra tracks for the re-release from the Odyssey EP, which was a a project I had in like 99, I think. And uh, I did one song myself and I had some other guests involved, like uh, Kent from Project 8 was there and Rick from Memory Garden was there. And uh, yeah, and then... The plan was to release the EP and have some bonus tracks, but it kind of turned around into becoming like a cover album with the Odyssey EP as a bonus track, which was a little bit weird, but I just think, okay, what the hell? And um, the best cover version, one of the best I ever did actually, is, is this one. It's a Pesh Mode song, and it's a track that I completely loved when I was uh, in my mid-teens. I heard it on the radio, and uh, I just felt that this would make an excellent metal song and um, I wanted it to sound a little bit like him would have done it you know they they had this kind of special way with the chugging guitars and that kind of vibe going on and uh, so here's my take on him uh, recording a cover version of depression mode check the disease
1: I had no idea about that project either.
0: Well, I knew about it. I, I never heard this track before. But um, a few years back, um, I have a friend here, um, John, John Cruz. Um, he has a mecca of metal.
1: Mm-hmm. And oh, you've mentioned him to me. Yeah. Yes. And
0: he has a, the most impressive music collection I've ever seen or heard about. And I remember there was one night a few years back. In the winter night, I was in his house in the basement, and he has a massive collection of Don Swano's works, mm-hmm. and he pointed out Odyssey to me. And I oh, okay. never heard of it that yeah. before that night, but he played Odyssey and was super into it. But as it was the typical of our hangout, he would like, throw me 20 bands that everything was just sounding amazing. So right. I never got the chance to really discover or spend a lot of time listening Odyssey before but yeah this was this was very very well done yeah um i was familiar with the depeche mode yeah track but not with the cover yeah
1: that's really great yeah i i i'm not a huge depeche mode fan but i think everybody knows that song yes that's that's interesting to hear and once again it definitely has the swano touch but Mm -hmm. once again a little bit different uh he made it sound like it could have been something that he wrote yes and I I definitely appreciate that and I can definitely hear when he said that he wanted to make it kind of sound like him like Mm -hmm. with those like chugging rhythms like I can definitely hear that yeah in there as well Um, yeah it's really interesting and what a weird and interesting way to conclude this to conclude it with this Depeche Mode cover from a Swano project I've never even heard of yeah make me wish that
0: guy can just carry on and continue to make yeah. more music yeah because it really sends it really feels like an ever flowing of creativity yes yeah and I do really looking forward to um hear more everything I, I'm I'm familiar with Bitter Escape but um not anything else that he's doing at the moment okay I remember I heard uh an interview of him a couple of years ago with uh, that drummer guy. And uh, he mentioned in the interview that he is working on a solo death metal band, Did which- Dan is? Yes. Wow. He has music composed and he's thinking of releasing, um, and forming a new band and releasing pure death metal. Wow. And that's something that I really, really am interested in yeah. to hear. Fantastic! Um, that's the only place that I heard that he mentioned that. So still waiting for it. It's waiting wow. for more Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's the more the better. Yeah. Definitely. When it comes to yeah, exactly. Our guy.
1: That's really cool. I um, discovered a couple of bands I didn't know about. Finally heard that Moon Tower, yes. which is excellent. Uh, I want to point out that not only did. Dan pick out these songs for us to listen to mm-hmm. and record the introductions, but he remastered a few of them, uh, specifically for this podcast. So wow. I, I very much appreciate that, Dan. Thank you. And thank you for providing these songs to us. Yes. And, uh, that was quite a treat. Yeah. That's, that's really, uh, a neat way to get us to listen to an artist that we've both appreciated for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, in a totally new way and expose us to things that we'd never heard of heard yeah. before like that edge of sanity track yeah I, um, I mean i've been listening to edge of sanity for over 20 years and mm-hmm. it's amazing to have somebody just be like oh here's something that you haven't heard from this band yeah and that's i i deeply appreciate that
0: and i think um, i touched upon this like uh, very shortly when we were talking about on creation and right. moon tower and the reception that they received at that time yeah. Yeah, was not very positive and i think um, if there is any opportunity, at least for me, mm-hmm. I would like to take advantage of it and give them, give him, and a handful of other uh, musicians as much credit as possible. Yeah. Because I believe they transformed um, metal music to oh, a definitely. music that um, it became a part of my life yeah. and many other people's yeah. life. But many don't even bother to really you know, delve deep into who was responsible for this sound in metal music. And right. I think, like putting Dan Suano's bands, dozens of bands that he has had in the past, um, he's also responsible for almost half of the greatest extreme metal musics yeah. uh, from Nordic countries yes. um, back in 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was either him or Peter Taker that right. they produced pretty much everything that we love yeah. and adore about yeah. um, that era, and not not only he's a great mixer and master and an engineer, um, but in the same time, like his own musicianship and his own craftsmanship, is something that it really connects with me at least. And um, yeah, we both share that love. Yeah. So for me personally, coming from a place that metal was a very very personal, isolated kind of passion and. Hobby for me at that time 15, 20, 15 years ago, right? To a place that now I can be a guest of a podcast. That the host of the podcast was a member of one of my all time favorite bands, yeah. And the guest of our podcast is a legendary person that provides this music for our podcast episode. It's living the dream,
1: yeah. Life is bizarre sometimes,
0: right? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> So yeah,
1: well, I, you know, I can say uh, very similar things. Uh, it means a lot to me that Dan was open to doing this because he definitely informed a lot of my music and a lot of my musical tastes, especially as a teenager. And, uh, yeah, what a wonderful format to be able to do this on a podcast. And I am uh, deeply appreciate Dan's involvement. And thank you for enjoying these songs with me. Yeah, my pleasure. And for appearing on the podcast once again. Um, I plan on doing this type of guest curation now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, I already have a couple in the works that hopefully will be released soon. Um, but yeah, this is the very first one. And uh, I think it went really well. It was it was a joy to not only have Dan select these songs for us, but to record the introductions and to take such care in that. And uh, yes. again, I deeply appreciate that. Thank you, Dan. And then so much. Yes, and uh, thank you, Ramin, for going down this road and this having this journey with me my pleasure and uh yeah we'll do it again sometime
0: yes we did a
1: catatonia we did dan suano that's true we did the, yeah i didn't really think about that but we did the brave murder day one yes yeah which yeah. was a lot of fun too uh but yeah again thank you ramin i appreciate it my pleasure thank yeah. you and thank you dan yeah. thank you dan <laughs>